Okay, hello. Welcome. Hi besties! Yeah, exactly. Hi besties. In today's episode of Being Candid, I'm joined with my sister Borani. Hello. Say hello. There we go. Fucking hell, that was a bit aggressive. Um, really setting the scene. Like the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but yeah, anyways, so we've been wanting now for a while to have a chat about childhood loss, specifically the passing of a parent. It's not just anyone. Uh, a parent, which I, you know, I'm a very core member of the family, especially when growing up. Not to invalidate like any other family member's yeah. passing, but I do feel like it has more of like, a consequence in your e- life. Exactly, exactly. Um, and also because there's four years between me and Bryony, how we initially reacted to our dad passing and then the general process of the death of our dad was completely different, I think, because of how old we were when it obviously happened um but anyway we thought that you know what there is someone out there that will probably benefit from us talking probably no one but we're still gonna post it yeah we're still gonna post it um i do want to preference this quickly by saying that me and brani have dealt with the passing of our father with humour most of the time, which I we'll, we'll get into in like, terms of how we... If you like Cards Against Humanity, carry on listening. Exactly. If you don't, leave now. Exactly. Um, so we, we've kind of dealt with the passing of our dad with humour and, you know, that sort of thing, like making jokes and stuff. So if we giggle at any point and you don't think it's appropriate for us to giggle, we can only apologise. It's just something that we're used to. But anyways, let's get on to it. So it's been 14 years since our dad passed away. Flew by. Yeah. And I thought it would be really nice to talk about who dad was before we speak about how he passed away and how we managed it. So my first question to you is, what do you remember about dad? Um, From what I can remember, I think... One thing I definitely want to like just preface this with is one thing not to do when someone passes away is to completely make them into a hero. Mm. No one is perfect. You're going to look back with rose-tinted glasses and think this person was everything I needed in mm-hmm. my family. And sometimes they're not, okay? Like sometimes it could be a really crappy father or a really crappy mother mm-hmm. and you might not want to grieve at all. And other times they were the absolute best parent ever. And um, for me remembering dad was definitely remembering the good times Mm. and sure there's you know you have parents arguing you're told off for numerous reasons but definitely he was someone who was definitely missed um you know like memories of being able to sort of sit in his office whilst he drew and things like that he definitely got us into arts and crafts and things like that he was definitely a very happy man from what I remember Mm. and I think it's also good that we start this off by saying so Bryony was seven years old when our dad passed away and I was 11 years old so that's what I was saying at the start like we were both at very different stages in our childhood um which I think is really important to say because even just to do with things like um emotional resilience was completely different for us both then and also just processing what had happened was very different for each of us um I think definitely because for me as a seven-year-old I was definitely shielded by my own sort of ignorance Mm. and my own like being naive towards what death is and things like that so for me him dying at seven would although it's hurtful probably would have been less hurtful more confusing then for Meredith and our older sister. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, So going back to, you know, who dad was, all of that jazz, um, our dad was called David. Yeah. Um, He was an illustrator. Technical illustrator. Technical illustrator. For ages, um, I actually thought he was Walt Disney. (laughs) Um, Because I'm the main character. Moana. Yeah. Um, All the best sellers. That's what our dad did. Yeah, exactly. Even one, he is dead. (laughs) He is still cracking out those up. Um, So yeah, he 
did a lot of obviously drawing. Um, he was a freelance illustrator, or did he work for a business? So he know. worked for I think it's called Ladybird for a couple of years, mm. and then he created his own business. I don't know what it's called. It's probably like David and something. Um, and with that, he took on sort of clients by himself to do art. His technical <laughs> illustrations were to do with like the body, mm-hmm. and a lot of his artwork would have been put into sort of dictionaries and things like that. Yeah, he did a lot of like medical books, didn't he? Like yeah. drawings of bodies, I different mean, body parts. The last one he was working on was of a brain. And um, mm. a couple of years ago, me and mum went out to look in um, bookshops and things like that to find the book he couldn't finish. And in that book, he has a, there's sort of a message to him and the family. Mm. And someone else had to carry on obviously, because he cannot finish it. Mm. Um, but his artwork is in there. Yeah. Um, so I was going to say a little bit about, you know, obviously from what I remember about Dad, um, obviously having a bit of an advantage than Barani, just because I'm older than her, so I had longer with my dad. Um, but I'm not jealous. <laughs> I did want to say that one thing, obviously I'm not... Well, I don't think diagnosing is the word, but I'm not saying this is exactly what me and Bryony have dealt with but just from my experience of working in the mental health field as well and a lot of research I do think a lot were I do think me and Bryony experienced childhood amnesia due to the trauma that we've experienced um so when I look back on my childhood I don't really remember that much um and this for numerous factors as well like I was also unwell so I have quite a lot of different kind of traumatic experiences growing up so that's why I don't really remember much but from what I do remember about my dad and going off of what Brownie just said like I did remember him being a very happy person um and it's interesting that we both say that and we'll go on to it later on because ever since we've you know grown up and we've been able to have those conversations with our family we've later learn more things about our dad I think he he hid a lot from us and Mm. obviously any parent would Mm. because your child's not there for to be your therapist Mm. and I think a lot of times when you think of all these good moments there is is a face for what we had to sort of go through with Mm -hmm. epilepsy and things like that yeah um so yeah so I always find that quite interesting about you know because when when I think back to my childhood it's almost like I'm thinking back as a child um, which kind of makes sense because obviously I'm thinking back to a time when I was a child, but my memories are very, like, I can't look back as an adult. I don't know if that makes sense. Like, I can only see it as a child. And I think it is because obviously my childhood, was, along with Bryony and my other sister, was kind of cut short because of the trauma that we experienced. Um, I mean, that's definitely one thing. A lot of the time, children who do have a parent who passes in their childhood, you're as much as you don't want it to be and as much as the adults around you will push for it not to be, you you do grow up faster. Yeah. But it's definitely just sort of a small ending to what was once your childhood in many ways. And mm-hmm. sure, from seven and up, I, you know, I still played with toys. I still had fun with my friends. I still did very, like, childish things. But at the back of your mind, you know you're, you know you're different to the peers in your classroom. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we will go into that in details in a bit um but going back to just who dad was in general obviously as we said he's an illustrator um he passed away at the age of 45 i believe just looking at brian to get me some do you know what i'll go with that one <laughs> just get some confirmation on that um he grew up in wales he went to university within wales within i'm not wales, really yeah. sure all, all these sort of Facts that I feel like we should know always slip my mind. Yeah. And you will feel guilty because you'll think, yeah. oh, I need to know everything about this person because they've passed away. And you mm. feel like it's your duty to hold them within memory instead of within person. But mm. at the end of the day, you're human. You can't remember all these things. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so in general, our dad was a very happy person. He, you know, we're very privileged to say that we had a very happy childhood, a very loving childhood. None of us were abused or anything along those lines. Our mum and dad always did their best to support us. Um, and 
our dad was also unwell throughout his kind of adulthood before we were born and obviously after he was born um and one thing that unfortunately I had in common with my dad was the fact that he had a diagnosis of epilepsy which thankfully I've grown out of um so I think I spoke about in my first episode that I ever did for my podcast as well like illness has always been quite a strong influence and factor in our family yeah I think it's always been in the back of everyone's mind I think Mm. and I think growing up with having an older sister who has allergies and I've known about sort of modus fits and as we shared a room I remember like one time waking up and I might have had a fit in the night those sort of things you definitely again you grow up fast because Mm. you know that you're just you you're another hand there you're you're another person to keep helping the family yeah and I think definitely looking back and knowing what we do know now a lot there was a lot of strain on our mum and our dad for Mm. having to deal with the epilepsy and having to deal with everything that just goes with it especially when your child is having those symptoms as well as like Mm, a two-year-old that's quite a scary thing no definitely and I think this actually really I think it transitions well into basically what happened to our dad so I'll say what I remember and then Brian will say what she remembers and then we'll kind of push it together to see if we can make some sort of sense of it um but so my dad died on the 21st of March 2008 so like I said 14 years ago and what I can remember and I know Brian is going to say the exact same thing to me there was already something in the air (laughs) there was already tension yeah like it already felt like something bad was going to happen I can't explain it but there was just this underlying okay this is gonna sound really um what's the word I'm looking for like it's gonna sound like I'm trying to make a joke of it but it's the only way I can describe it you know when you're about to go on zoom and you feel like you're gonna poo your pants it's that sort of uncommon dread exactly the pit pit in your stomach you can't really get rid of like you just know something's gonna happen and it was really weird because although you know me and Brian have just spoken about our dad being ill um thankfully he wasn't like so ill that we always knew about if it wasn't like like in any way a huge factor that it made going out an issue Mm, exactly and it wasn't some it was something that could have easily been hid from us yeah but we knew enough that it still affected us in ways yeah and I think when we were feeling these feelings of dread Mm. At the time, I remember thinking, oh, mum and dad have argued. There's a mm. sort of an iciness. And being told years later that there's no, there was no argument and actually I had a really good morning, it feels almost spiritual in mm. a way of it definitely felt like me and Meredith were picking up on something. Like how yeah. they say children can see ghosts. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. It felt like we're, there is something there. Mm. And again, I because me and Brandy kind of both identify as quite spiritual people that's something that we can also kind of pick up on later on um but yeah so in it was during the morning um me Bryony and our older sister were playing a game on the PlayStation 2 big up the PlayStation 2 it's now broken <laughs> sorry <Why laughs> broke it um and i think we what game were we playing was it crazy taxi it must have been Crazy Taxi because we loved that game. That, that really like, set the scene. You know, <laughs> what was going to happen as well. It like, was a crazy day. If only chaos. we had a Crazy Taxi. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, we and we were in a separate room. So we were in the conservatory and my mum and dad were in the living room. And also to preface it, there is a there is a room in between those. Yeah, there's so there's a kitchen in between. Um, and all I remember... So, I'm like I said, I'm gonna tell you my part. So I'm gonna tell you all the way up until the point where he's taken away in an ambulance. And then Brian, you will kind of go back because there's a little spoiler alert. Oh, I know, spoiler <laughs> alert. There is a little bit that Bryony has some form of interaction, which I won't go too much into detail. Don't wanna spoil <laughs> that either. Spooky. Um but anyway, so yes, we were playing a game. As I said, there was already this underlying, like horrible, anxious feeling in the background. And 
I don't remember. I remember hearing a big bang noise. Not the show. Yeah. <laughs> I remember hearing like, yeah, a big bang. Um, I remember hearing the door shut. So the living room door shut. And again, like I don't remember anything after that. All I remember is the ambulance come in. I'm standing near the freezer. My mum walks in. I think she's trying to explain to us, you know, what's going on whilst the paramedics are trying to sort my dad out. And I just remember thinking it was the most horrific. I was just like, something bad's going to happen. Something bad's going to happen. And I've never felt that before. Like our dad had had fits before. Although to be fair, I don't really remember much of them prior to that experience. I think we only remember what happened after and that would be mm. him coming home with those sort of sticky things on his chest yeah. and sort of mum being like oh he just wants to sleep let him sleep mm. because obviously epilepsy is, is a huge toll on you it's, yeah you're gonna I, be tired and I think that's really um important to say actually because so if, if you're thinking back to you know an 11 year old and a seven year old we're used to these sort of things happening subconsciously we're probably thinking oh it's fine because dad will come back because that's what we're used to so to have this massive thought in your head that's just like, no, something bad's going to happen, something bad's going to happen. Um, it's not great. No. Um, so I thought maybe you can tell your experience up until this point as well. Yeah. And then we're, yeah. Um, so for me, it was, I think I remember a bit more, but I think only because I had more interaction with mm. what was happening. And for me, it was, you know, the memory sort of starts off in the kitchen and dad's uh, at the table and he has his head in his hands and you could tell he, he's already stated he has a headache and things like that. And I think mum is looking over worried and I think she probably knows it could be turned into a fit, but mm. she doesn't want to obviously worry anyone else. And so we were sort of leave dad alone, let him rest. You two go off into, go with your old sister, go into the other room, go play something. And mum was definitely distracting us from something. Mm. And so I remember at the time, those two messing around on the sofa jumping around and I remember thinking I for some reason I don't want to be in this room I want to mm. be with my parents and it could have just been I was bored playing mm. and actually I just wanted a bit of mum and dad time by myself I remember this feeling that it felt like something different and so um uh, mum later on says that actually I did go into the living room at one point I do sort of remember this and show something like oh look look what I've got sort of a seven-year-old sort of thing to do mm. and <clears throat> I remember feeling like they're not giving me attention uh this is annoying me because you know come on I'm showing you something fun mm. not understanding that actually dad's feeling ill mum's probably a bit stressed might have a little headache because of that as well and she's just trying to relax keep the room sort of calm so I remember so there's me leaving and I go back probably about don't know 10 20 minutes later or so and I remember having my door my hand on the door and just this feeling of I shouldn't go in there in here and so I've always believed that it was our granddad who was our mum's dad and he passed away when she was 11 and for me I personally always believe that it must have been granddad go in come on you don't you don't need to go in there so it's going to happen so that's guide you back into the other room because mm. I remember just feeling this other presence this other feeling of you shouldn't be going in there let's go away but not in a negative scary way I wasn't scared but just in a I shouldn't be here mm. so I remember walking back in and still I don't think I really I don't know if you remember this I don't remember being so involved with the game I think I remember just feeling yeah. very out of it and mm. I don't particularly want to play at the moment there's something on my mind this is what I mean like there was just this underlying <coughs> feel and it's yeah. weird because I, I felt it as an adult as well it's just this horrible pit in your stomach feeling where you just don't you don't feel safe that's the only way I could describe it you feel um, this is the thing you feel like you want to run and I, it mm. must have been some sort of fight or flight feeling yeah. would happen because I remember wanting to run out of the house mm. because if you know if I'm if I'm not in the house nothing's gonna happen if I yeah. don't see it it won't happen yeah and then I remember it like Moda says this sort of the loud bang and we later know that's um mum trying to get dad onto the ground because he was fitting and you have to have them sort of 
laying straight it's easier that way and having mm. have his head on the floor so you know it won't hit anything and mm. I think also his fits weren't shaking ones they were out cold ones so yeah he was on the ground and that's what we heard and um so then I remember going to the door with those two and I remember being the one to open the door from the kitchen into sort of the hallway where the living room was and I remember I think mum was trying to hide a little bit from with her body what was happening but definitely seeing dad being taken out on a stretcher mm. and that sort of memory is it's just is stuck because for a child that's terrifying to see yeah having sort of these wires on your dad already and you're like what what's going on this is really crazy and so when we come out we're coming through the hallway we get to the front door and there was two ambulances and one ambulance car which is quite scary as well because as a kid you think only one ambulance needs to come yeah so why is there now three and like as you know like a medical car will have an a doctor in it so at the time I didn't know this but growing up you're thinking this was serious yeah. because yeah, yeah, yeah there was there was someone higher up had to come and then our auntie was there as well and I remember getting in the car and driving to our auntie's whilst mum went to the hospital and turning to our older sister and going is, is dad gonna die and she goes, no, of course not. No, like, don't be silly. You'll be fine. Mm. And then we get into aunties and we were allowed to coke. And I think this is the, the <laughs> one memory sticks because yeah. I remember thinking, this is like, this is great. I, mm. I don't get to have coke unless it's and parties. And I think that's the thing. Like when, when we went to our aunties, I remember it being really enjoyable. <laughs> like, yeah. And I think like part of me, um, when I was grieving the loss of my dad, like very recently after he, passed away as a child I felt quite guilty for the fact that most of my day was being pretty excited and happy I mean even on the yeah. day of his funeral we had exactly. a pretty good time <laughs> we had a great time there was like, some great party food there um and um, also I think just to add from like knowledge that we know now um so dad did have a fit and in the past when he, after he's had his sort of brain hemorrhage that's um sort of triggered this he mm. would be so a normal fit would last about three to five minutes I think it is and dad's would le- would probably be around I think the longest has been about two hours mm. and that's him out cold and that was when he lived with our nan and our mum and our nan found him and my mum had to run home from work call the ambulance because he was already out for an hour at that point and then mm. out for an hour in the hospital and that really like terrified mum because you know she felt guilty just even though she was at work and there's nothing else you can do Mm. she felt guilty that she wasn't there Mm. and so I remember asking mum a couple weeks ago again well how long was this one then mum went well 14 years I guess because (laughs) he hasn't come out of it and I think which is quite it was quite quite funny but also in my head it was just like well how it must have been a long one yeah prior to him dying um and so what our mum has said is that yes, yeah, so he had a fit and it started off with his thumb twitching and mum didn't know if this was him trying to distract himself and calm himself mm. down, but it had a rhythm to it. And with epilepsy, a lot of the time it has a sort of rhythm to mm. the movements. And I don't think he he didn't have those convulsions sort of ones where you're shaking and you see it on TV, it's how they quite easily portray it because if not, you're just seeing a person laying there. Um but he started to shake his like his thumb. And at that point, I think mum knew he, he'd gone into a fit because his head sort of goes back. And that's when mum gets him onto the floor. And so we had emergency medication that was up in the uh, cabinet in our bathroom. And she said she had to run upstairs and I grab it. I know what that medication is, by the way. She's a true no, nurse. No, I'm a nurse. You know, she, deals, <laughs> she deals with the mind and everything, apparently. Yeah, call me if you need me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so I remember mum saying that she gets the medication, she runs down. And I think... What's so upsetting about epilepsy is how humiliating it is for that person. Yeah. Because your muscles relax. And I remember mum saying, like, he, he messed himself, you know. Mm. That's what she had to move that sort of business out of the way to put the medication up into mm. his bum, basically. no area. Exactly. <laughs> so you had to put that in. And I think from... There's so many ways I look at that. And one way I see is it's quite in a weird way romantic because you think your partner would obviously loves you so much they Mm -hmm. don't care 
they'll move things out of the way they'll help you and I think that's quite it's quite a sweet bittersweet sort of feeling mm. and also another feeling of like oh for god's sake he's he's already going through enough don't you like to some higher yeah. being don't make it any worse I for him I think it's quite dehumanizing exactly like and I think this is the thing that me and Bryony have spoken about a lot like it must have been incredibly traumatic for my mum to kind of have to deal with that you know not only is she trying to um prevent her daughters from seeing all this happen she's seen it having to act on it having to my mum very much has the whole mentality of keep calm and carry on and yeah. she's had it and she probably, I think life. she's probably been born of it yeah, really and, and she's in the generation yeah. to have that and in some ways um in some ways it can really help um I actually did my dissertation on resilience and sometimes someone acting in a keep calm carry on is really helpful especially if you're like me and you're a healthcare profession professional even and you have to act on it it's you know that really works and it's a bit like um cavemen um obviously if there was a lion coming towards them you know they can't just start to be crying. in the zone yeah like focused. so it, these sort of survival instincts have really helped us in the past and I do think at that point in time it probably did help mum I think yeah and I think another huge thing that I was going to also go on to is so she also had to try and resuscitate him and so when she was on the phone to to the ambulance and the call centre for it Mm. um, she says she remembers them asking is he breathing and she just goes "I, I don't know because she's so panicked as anyone would be and she's so freaked out that she can't tell because she's just trying to wake him up and so I think mum likes to think he passed away at home mm. I think mean, it's quite nice he's at home with us and hopefully not now no ghosties please but well I don't know <laughs> what we're calling I am <laughs> god knows who's around but I think it's quite nice to think that he is with his family mm. and um so when he did get to the hospital they did pronounce him dead but mum likes to think he did die then and that's because there's a point when she's on the phone and he sort of like slightly comes round and he, apparently he just sort of smiles. Mm. And mum goes, don't you dare, David. Because she knows that feels like a sort of a last goodbye smile. Yeah. And he goes back out again. Mm. And I think at that point, she probably thought, I think he's gone. Yeah. This is it. And this is what I mean, like going back to what I was saying in terms of this whole, you know, keep calm and carry on mentality. That lasted throughout our grieving process which is what I think we should now go on to um so I personally did not start grieving until the age of 16 um I'll explain a little bit about obviously what happened with me and my grieving process and then Bryony you can just you know chirp in whenever you whenever you want sort of thing. I feel like it yeah exactly um so yeah so when we initially found out um my mum said that our dad wasn't coming home we don't Um, know when he will be coming home yeah we're still waiting for him so if you've seen david around (laughs) david um, if you're out there hi uh i could really do with dad now so (laughs) that'd be great thank you um so that's how our mum told us although you know we have had many debates with our mum about this she doesn't. She doesn't it. like to claim that she did. Yeah. She likes to claim that he, she said he died. Because I, I'll just quickly say that when you're telling a child that something bad has happened, specifically that someone's died, you have to be very direct and clear about that. Because saying things like "Oh, bad thing happened to your dad" or "Your dad's not coming home" can be very confusing for a child, and they will quite literally take it like that. So. It is better just to be very. I think also to, just to add in with that because I think generally it's a mm. good idea to say it yeah, to everyone. Exactly. I mean, exactly, I yeah. know, like I've seen shows when they say this is this is how you're meant to be taught, and it's scary mm. to think that you have to say it in that way because if you say pass away, it feels like it's an easier way for the patient mm. or the patient's sort of family. Mm. But I remember Mum saying that actually when she was at the hospital, they didn't really deal with it well because they she was in the room they didn't really tell her to leave really as soon as they should have done and then they sort of just took off the wires and went just said the sort of time when your husband's died and mum mm. went oh okay then went into the sort of the family room yeah 
they called whoever they needed to call, I think it was our auntie mm. and our nan. And I think mum remembers thinking very like being very confused and just having that sort of information just given to her so fast mm. and so straight away. I think she probably likes to think she told us it in a better way. Um, so we're back. Uh, we've been talking about our dad for about half an hour again, and it cuts off like it cut our dad's life short. <laughs> <laughs> so exactly. we're back again. Mm. Not like our to dad. To be fair, to be fair, we, you know, me and Barney do waffle a lot. So I think if dad's watching this, it's probably just like he cut it off. Yeah, he he was literally just like, okay, let's stop waffling, let's get to the good bits. So I thought the best thing that we can kind of start talking about now is our own grieving process. Yes. Um, which we're trying to shorten. For the demons in Murder's room who've just listened to us for about <laughs> half an hour, we will be re- we will, yeah. recapping we on will what we just said. Um, but I thought, you know, this time we can kind of just mix it at the same time rather um, than saying it singularly. Sure. You sure. know what I mean? So I didn't start grieving until the age of 16. Um, and mine manifested in a very weird way um although i would argue academic way (laughs) i would argue grieving is just a very weird process anyway there's no set sort of rules exactly i mean when i was a child so when it actually happened so when my mum sat me down and told me i reacted in a way that most people would when they get told that someone close to them had died and so i cried but i don't think i really took on what happened and i mean nobody's, yeah nobody's really gonna take on what's just happened if you just told it um i remember grieving is like a very lifelong process i would say yeah and i remember you. at the time me just not crying at first because i mean this is really confusing and then looking towards you two and going oh i'll cry now yeah okay like, yeah let, let the tears... in our emotions yeah, yeah. Like, i didn't know what to do and crying seemed like the best thing to do at mm. that point um, so yeah, so like I said, mine started at the age of 16 and it mostly manifested into my schoolwork. So my teachers started to pick up on the fact that I wasn't doing so well. Um, I didn't know what was going on. Like I, I sat my exams, my real exams and thought they were mock exams. Like my brain was just not there. Moda it, nearly beat up a lad, which I'd say was the best yeah. part of her drama, really. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um. And then it also manifests, it just manifested into very low mood, um, anxiety. Um, it manifested into me self-harming and it manifested into me just isolating myself. I had I felt a lot of anger towards my mum, my older sister and myself and obviously my dad as well. Um, but... And at that time, I got support from Seesaw, which is a kind of like counselling. It's a of... it's a small sort of charity, not small in like not to like bash it anyway. Mm. It's a charity which helps families and yeah. sort of young. Helps it's mostly young helps people. young people. And I remember one of the sessions we were all involved, and we got to make these sort of sand jars. Oh, we made like memory boxes and stuff. And so it's very that... like depressing sand jars. Yeah. it was. But... <laughs> so it's that sort of thing. They they help young people who have lost someone in their life. Um, and I also sought support from um, CAMS, um, purely just down to the fact that I'd obviously became quite risky with my mental health. Um, she was a flight risk. Yeah, I really was. <laughs> um, so that is kind of in a nutshell what was happening to me at that point in time. But obviously, I've done a lot of work since then, which we'll get on to. Bryony, in a nutshell, what um, what was the vibe for you? So for me, it was definitely just like protected by my own innocence of what mm, death was. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I did go to this group called the Special Club, um, in which the special club made us make boxes <laughs> with memories of our dad. Mm. And it was very, very awkward. I had to make worry dolls. Um, to tra- Which later in my life. <laughs> to traumatise motive. Um, but, you know, I didn't use them. I remember just thinking, I don't need any of this. I don't want to use any of this help. Like, yeah, it was not the time for me. I don't think I, I didn't process it. So all of this sort of work was a bit of a waste on me at this point. Yeah. And I remember going to uh, the art room. And I went twice, maybe twice, maybe three times. Mm. I remember twice. And that helped a lot more because they were sneaky. They were so sneaky. Whoa, that's a nice brush stroke. Oh, that's a nice colour. So when did your dad die? <laughs> they were sneaky. Oh, yeah, they pounced on you. For context, because I forgot, like, obviously, 
it cut all, us off. All of our, all of our um, information just got wiped. Um, the art room is, again, a, a charity that provides support, not just for children who are grieving, but people, children who may have behavioural problems or just, you know, aren't doing... Which I felt so interesting because mm. there would be people like me and Meredith who were very like shy at that point because we're grieving, and you would have some lad in your group... <laughs> who you literally saw beat up a kid yesterday who's complimenting <laughs> you on your artwork. Yeah, it, it was it very weird. It was very weird. Um, but we both did that for, well, I did it for longer. Motive did it for the max amount of time you yeah. had to do it. I took advantage of that stuff because I love that I don't even toes. think it was you to take advantage. I think they sent you in there. They yeah. were like, she needs it more. No, if I actually could... asked. I actually asked for the last one. <laughs> I was like, I beg, please. <laughs> send me back. Take me on. I can't do this. I mean, you do get an hour out of class. Exactly. Like, you miss a lesson. It was just beautiful. And because it starts in primary school, our primary school was linked to our secondary school. So mm. they let children from there go up. So the first time I went was when in primary school. And obviously, we've got to work, walk there. So you had a lot more time out of school than what would be in secondary school. Exactly. Um, so we kind of both, in a weird way, kind of grieved in the similar sort of I way, think- but just. For me, it was definitely a lot deeper. I think I probably would be more on my journey still now than mm. you. I think you probably healed a lot faster than me because you're quite good at opening up and speaking about it and you're very reflective. Whereas I think from a young age, I don't think I either pushed this role onto me or this sort of role fell onto me in some way where I became this sort of, a crutch for my mum in a way. Yeah. Because Moda was going through something, our older sister was going through stuff, and I became the child who nothing could happen to. Like yeah. I remember mum sort of joking, being like, Oh, hope you don't hope you don't feel this way, I hope you don't get like this, because I don't want you to. And I remember thinking, there is no way in this I, I can show my emotions, which is quite a shame because obviously my mum will always tell me to share my emotions. Mm. I think I, I think this kind of goes back to what we were <clears> saying before about how our mum has very much a keep calm, carry on mentality. I and think she e- wanted me to have that yeah, as well. And, and to be fair, like both my mum and Bryony, I'm pretty sure they won't mind me saying this because I say this to them all the are time. Aquariuses. Yeah, they're both Aquarius, so that makes sense. Um, but they have quite um avoidance sort of personalities where picked up in therapy next they, week yeah <laughs> where they just don't really want to talk about their feelings um but it in a really weirdly um comforting way i know that sounds really weird but and obviously it's not great for them but it's great for me <laughs> in the sense of <laughs> i'm like, glad i could help because yeah like as i was saying earlier like someone responding like that can actually be really beneficial sometimes like it's not always a bad thing I definitely have realized throughout years and throughout any sort of situation the family has had to go through I think I've definitely taken on the role of no crying which obviously Mm. is not good but no crying feel them them, please before it's too late yeah but don't feel the feelings sort the issue out and I think in that way it was more practical than emotional is what how mm. I was dealing with things and throughout school in secondary school I remember just you know I tell people about it and I'll be so sort of just matter of fact I can see people on people's faces emotionally like distant how is she it. not grieving how yeah. is she not more upset and I remember someone saying I remember speaking about dad in uh tutor at one point and one of the girls t- turns around and goes shouldn't you've stopped grieving now it's, um, it's been and no, I Patricia that's <laughs> exactly. not how it I mean works. if you're listening girl <laughs> don't say that again um God. but I remember just thinking at that time it furthered the feeling that I had of well, yeah I shouldn't be getting upset because mm. now even in school when I don't show my emotions someone's picking up on something and yeah. I shouldn't be showing so wars were going up but I mean even now so our uncle has quite recently been diagnosed with terminal cancer and it's quite interesting to see how each person in this family kind of reacts and respond to that. Um, like for me, for example, I allowed myself to cry. Um, I was actually in therapy for a bit, so we spoke about it then. And the when I found out that my uncle was 
terminally ill it brought up a lot of feelings with my own dad um and again so I did further work on how those two kind of interlinked and most of the time I was to most well the main topic that I was talking a lot about was the topic of death and how um you know for the longest time and I still have issues with this where I'm absolutely petrified of death and I'm absolutely petrified of illness because to me going back to obviously how we were told initially um death is just abandonment like death is just someone just leaving never coming back you're never told about how it happened why it happened they're just gone um but then saying that I still I I feel like I have the resources to allow myself to talk about those things I mean I think Brian is quite bad on um hard on herself because I do think she is quite reflective as well and we will have discussions together oh, but... no if something's happening after this <laughs> this is an intervention no, not a podcast. I mean, no I mean like we've had conversations before about you know dad passing and all of that jazz but I think our older sister as well was is very reluctant to talk about dad and you know the happy memories and the sad memories and just overall like his life yeah I think um if speaking like our older sister I think sometimes it's easier to to be angry than to be upset and I think that's for how you felt and I think at times I felt that way like learning more things about dad and how he sort of acted and some things he's he's done in Mm. the past you get angry because you think this family's helping you and you've done this and you've you've wrecked their situation and you feel so guilty to be angry with someone who's died because you think I shouldn't be but you can be it doesn't Mm. matter they're not they're not there to tell you off after about it so like be angry at that person if you want to be angry because it's the one feeling that you should be able to feel I think like it's it's in the process I think that was actually going to be my next question next question please um (laughs) would be how do you think dad passing away as a you being a child has impacted you now as an adult i'm an absolute atheist and i think what what makes me laugh is when i was younger i'd say which is strange because it's around so it's changed your it's changed quite thing is it changes everything who knows who i would have been mm. if i grew up can with i dad. just say for context as well like brian wanted to be a priest at one point i listen um, and I'm also gonna... we're not bashing christianity here like any religion is up to you mm. and i think religion is such a lovely sort of community and yeah. culture and a great way to be able to process things for me it wasn't that for me i remember I remember trying to pray and I remember thinking, I'm not hearing anything. People say you're Mm. meant to have sort of signs and I'm not getting it. Yeah. And it made me angry. And also having the elder sister as an atheist as well, (laughs) you grieve with an atheist, you turn into one. And so I remember just thinking like, I used to have a little try at the Bible. I remember us having a a kid's Bible and I think our grandma bought it for us. She was trying. She really was. Um, and things like that. And I remember, like, oh, I wanted to be a priest. I'm not going to lie. I saw Vicar Dibley and went, that looks like a very fun job. I didn't realise how religious it was. <laughs> and the fact that that was a whole comedy TV show. <laughs> yeah. And the fact that you life. had to believe in God. <laughs> um, so I remember just feeling like being completely just turned away. And I think I was angry. And speaking to people in the past about religion, it came from an angry p- sort of point. Mm. And speaking of it now, like, I joke about it everyone jokes about sort of religion things like that because it's the biggest thing we have in this world mm. and for me now it's definitely just a if you want to believe that's on that's your decision and I think that's great for you for me I need to I need to do something different because it isn't helping me and I think this goes because yeah as we were saying at the start of the podcast me and you are quite spiritual people which some would argue is a religion. Is a, is a religion. I mean, um, after the Roman Empire, <laughs> can we really say? But um, one thing that has helped me, which is actually quite controversial, um, and then I'll sacrifice him to say to <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll go on to my own thoughts about, you know, how dad's death has kind of impacted me as an adult. But just going off of what you were saying in terms of religious beliefs and stuff like that, I was the same as you um, 
like I didn't believe in God anymore but to be fair I don't think I ever did because like we weren't our family's not like strong Christians apart from Nan like and even at that point Nan sometimes says things you think you're not Christian exactly so I wouldn't really say I wouldn't ever say that I was a Christian ever but dad passing away and then also my other bits of trauma confirmed it confirmed like um kind of pushed me into this spiritual pathway and one thing that I was about to say that is usually quite controversial when I say it is the saying everything happens for a reason what is your what are your thoughts on that because I think me and you have quite similar thoughts I think yeah in my mind don't say it to anyone grieving do like especially when it's straight mm. after do not say it it is a red flag to a ball because people will get angry and they have every right to because there is no reason in death there is like when you look at it in that way mm. this person's died for in a sort of in a immortal sort of morality way mm. there is no reason because you know who is this higher being that's saying that's okay to, mm. to do that on a biological way there is a reason because this and this happened, or this has happened, or this person's too old, they can't mm. carry on. Yeah. So I think when you say that someone who's newly lost someone, it's not helpful because, like, it's just, it's not, it's a, it's a bit of a throwaway statement at that point. But what about, like, a here <clears throat> and now? Because I think... Healing has definitely made me think, yeah, you know, that happened. Yeah. And, it, and there were there were good things that have come out of it, bad things. But those reasonings have turned me into this person. Yeah. And I think that was one thing that really helped me with my own grieving was just the comforting feeling that everything happens for a reason. And because honest, I can genuinely put my hand on my heart and say that if my dad hadn't passed away, I hadn't even looked into the career that I'm in now, which is literally my entire life. Um, same way as um I, I spoke about it with Shah on my latest episode as well about sexual trauma how if that trauma didn't happen I wouldn't have made it loud so most the two massive traumas in my life has allowed me to make such incredible things out of it I think also just to put this in here as well and I've seen it said quite a lot of time on Tumblr to be honest but I love Tumblr yeah um sort of when especially with grieving sometimes grieving doesn't make you strong mm. sometimes it makes you the worst person ever at a point and you won't feel <clears throat> you won't feel strong and it will feel like well I don't want to be strong I wanted to be safe yeah. this isn't fair this is like I didn't want to become a warrior I didn't want to become this strong person I I didn't necessarily want to advocate for anything other mm. than just living my life so don't I <laughs> mean to anyone who's lost someone so recently don't think that this is a now a pathway that you have to leave, lead and you have to be this absolute strong person and, you know, make a huge sort of foundation or, you know, go into this whole new pathway for your career. Don't think that's like a, a necessary th- thing to do. Because for me, I think, yeah, like I'm a, a stronger person. I've gone through things. I've become resilient to things. But it... I think I'm, I love history. I would have always gone into history. Yeah. And those sort of things, they don't change for me and it won't change for everyone. But to remember that actually this is a great sort of time to take positivity from it is good. So before we end on some tips and tricks <laughs> on how we... A little goodie bag to take home with you. On how we kind of managed our grieving process which is again still ongoing um my last question to last is what do you think was the worst thing about losing dad apart from obviously the obvious that you're losing him (laughs) well (laughs) the worst thing that well okay there's two for me Number one is my relationship towards men. Mm. No, like everyone jokes about daddy issues because they think it's just either really sexual or it's a funny thing. It's one of the like <clears throat> most stressful things ever. And I think it's quite an isolating thing as well. You will look at men and they will either scare you and you think, oh my God, I can't talk to this person. Like this mm. is another per- like another gender. <coughs> Sorry, asthma. <laughs> um, you either like, you look at this person, you think, God, I 
I can't talk to them because you don't have a dad. You don't have that person to talk to. And mm. yes, we've had like our uncle became a father figure for his uh, for us growing up. Like yeah. he was like the best thing ever. But it still wasn't that sort of connection. And so that was a huge thing. And a lot of time it can it can make people sexual mm. and sexualize themselves. So it's a very difficult thing to go through. And it's having that relationship with other men. And I remember turning to one of my one of my male friends once and going, I've known you longer than I've known my dad. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Because you just think you lose a bit of a compass to yourself and you think how yeah. am I meant to really understand myself it's when like you kind of something's lose, not there? Yeah, it's kind of like you lose part of your identity because yeah. most people I of our age yeah. anyway have like a mum and a dad. And even even if they've split up, they still have that mum and dad. Yeah. And I remember writing poetry and it's on my Tumblr, but it's very deep. And I remember one of the lines just being like, how am I meant to know myself when mm. half of me is six feet under? Yeah, And I think that stuck with me because it's just, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? And yeah. I think one thing you learn from that is yourself. Mm. You've always been yourself. Another issue that definitely was there, especially when I was younger, and it's sometimes it comes up, but it stops a lot more in my sort of mid-teens, is I used to look for my dad in crowds. Yeah. All the time. It was such a huge thing for me. And I remember thinking I was so weird for it because I was like, you know he's dead. You know you're not going to find him, but there's mm. something about it that you in a big crowd you see a man with a beard and you think oh that's dad and then he comes a little closer and you get that sinking feeling of no it's not and it's so it's like just grieving over and over in that minute and that time you're just like god it's happened again and it's one thing I'm so happy I've grown out of because the more you process it the more you're going to be like "Mm, Mm. I know where he is and it certainly isn't on the earth like plane (laughs) yeah 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 no I agree like I think for me like, I massively agree with the whole, like, relationship with men. Um, specifically, the fear of abandonment. I think that's what's impacted yeah, us the most. Like, because although it wasn't, like... He didn't choose a, Yeah, to it wasn't, like, a chosen abandonment in terms of, like, he didn't... Yeah, he, he didn't... Pack up his bags yeah, and leave. He wasn't just, like, you know, actively choosing to leave our life, but... I think that's what makes it even more difficult, especially as like an adult now, because it's just like, in some ways, you want to blame him because yeah. you're just like you're the reason why I'm like absolutely petrified of men leaving my life, and even just friendships. Yeah, it can exactly. Be, and I think that's one thing that I definitely learned is that I used to think I was weird if I didn't have a friend anymore, mm. and I'd play it because you just feel awful and you think mm, like this would only be sort of for either something romantic or yeah. my family surely yeah. and you just you don't understand how much it affects even the smallest relationship mm. and for me like mine and I'll probably do like a whole episode on this but like mine obviously manifested into health anxiety so now you know Bryony could literally get a cold and I'm absolutely petrified of her dying from it so you know I think this is one thing that's often dismissed when it comes to someone passing away not even just your parent like it is not just someone dies you spend a good few months crying about it healing from it and then you're fine like there was massive you know well significant effects from that passing that kind of you know in some ways you know morphs us into who we are now like I am very much the person that gets absolutely petrified of someone passing away someone becoming ill um and then like a shared belief of mine and yours is you know people leaving us like these aren't cute quirky little yeah I think that's <laughs> personality that's the thing. you know and I like think a lot of people like to sort of, especially with, like sort of mental health issues mm. people would love to romanticize it yeah they'd love to think of it in such a I think oh, especially like, daddy issues as yeah well. and oh like oh I have depression and act like it's some sort of new bag yeah well like, it's, it's not it's one of the most sort of heart-wrenching feelings mm. to have and definitely daddy issues because it's so embarrassing as well yeah when you see tiktoks and well, it's just like oh if your girl's got daddy issues and they do something really sexual well, you're like no i thing. just miss my that's dad thing, like men take advantage i believe of women with daddy issues and kind of just think it's a joke when and also it's not a it's not a, a female thing necessarily it, it can happen to men as well mm. men get daddy issues and it's not even saying like homosexual men it's it's men yeah and i think i think the fact that it's called daddy issues is wrong 
it's in the yeah. first place. And like, you and know, you, like you hear of mummy issues, and that's but never as because essentially as... what daddy issue is, or stereotypically what daddy issues is, it's just a fear of abandonment. It's just yeah. being, and you know, not only fear of abandonment. It's either you know hypersexualizing yourself, or you know, trusting people too easily. People have turned it into some new sort of porn hub category now. Yeah. And it's Literally. weird. It makes me so uncomfortable when yeah. people just like make little jokes about it and sexualize it. Cause I'm yeah. like, no, my daddy issues is because seven year old me is missing my dad. Yeah. There is nothing sexual about it. Mm. And there can be. And for those people, I feel even worse because it's not fair on them. Yeah. Okay. Well, to end this little podcast, Bizarre. Right. Oh, I called you your name. Oh, that's oh my, my name. Everybody Jeez, knows that's your out there now. now. God, bizarre. <laughs> um, what would what sort of advice or guidance or you know piece of support that you'd like to put out there for people who are, you know, who have recently lost someone or my my advice would be number one your grief doesn't get smaller your resilience gets bigger yeah you like it does not change Mm. you change with it Mm. and that's one thing that's really difficult because you think oh it's gonna heal and it'll all be gone one Mm. day i guarantee you eight year old me will still be missing my dad yeah it is such a big thing and it does not it doesn't matter what age you are whether you're seven or 90 yeah when you lose someone it is hard to get over Mm. so i think one thing is do not put any expectations on yourself that this healing is going to like completely take care of everything. I think give yourself time because you're going to need it. You like small things like brain fog, mm. forgetting things. Your your whole existence has just been upturned. Yeah. You have no idea what's going on, especially when you lose a parent like this whole feeling just like you're feeling abandoned, not knowing yourself much anymore. It's completely going to shake you up. So don't think that you should be on a set sort of road and healing or even in your life yeah because um, it's like and no... a post i saw and i remember um re-blogging it and things like that and it was saying just like don't ex- expect yourself to be at the same pace as your peers because whilst they are living their life you are surviving it and i think that's so important to remember that this is a trauma you're surviving you mm. weren't in some horrific car crash or something but you were still going through something so horrific that you were going to be healing for a long time and I think just honestly just take care of yourself and like they always say like take care of your family I remember our mum our grandma always being like take care of your mum oh get us to the bloody washing up I don't want to do the washing up Glenda I'm feeling (laughs) (laughs) so honestly my opinion is be selfish and take care of yourself Mm. because the first person needs to be looked after is you you can't do anything really else until that's been looked after yeah I agree and I think just being open about your feelings like especially if most of the time grieving is a collective sort of process um you don't generally you don't grieve by yourself it's not a one person thing exactly there's a whole family to it and if i could go back to my younger self and just us in general like i would want us to talk about actually the bad pits yeah because I think that's the thing. I think with grieving, as we kind of spoke about at the start of this episode, usually we're taught that you can't talk bad about the dead. Like, it needs to be really Do not positive. put that person on the pedestal. Yeah. They do, they don't want to be up exactly. there. They don't our, deserve to be up our, there. Our dad did bad things. Our dad... He's not a criminal. <laughs> yeah. Out yeah. There. But, Sorry. you know, he's human. Do you know what I mean? You he know... makes mistakes. He does things. He makes choices that not everybody would have agreed with. It doesn't make him inherently bad, not does it nor does it make him inherently good. It just makes him a human being. But I think being honest about the fact that you may not have liked parts about that person is really important too. Because otherwise, like Brian said, like you just put them on a pedestal. And then if you do start having these feelings of anger, that anger turns into shame towards yeah. yourself. Like do not feel guilty. I think especially this can like for people who lose have lost a partner, maybe, mm. you know, like you're going to hate parts of your partner. And yeah. even if they die, you're still going to be like, well, that's really horrible what they yeah. did then. <laughs> yeah. And do not feel guilt for that because mm. they're not going to hold that against you. If mm. there is an afterlife, they're not going to like hit you when you first walk through those pearly gates <laughs> and go, why on earth did you think that about <laughs> I me? Am. 
If you talk badly, <laughs> your eulogy is going to be getting awful. Slapped. <laughs> you're getting slapped. Okay, so usually to end this, we podcast. sing. <laughs> we sing. This is where we start singing the high school musical. <laughs> We're all in this together. <laughs> Don't know the words. Should have listened to it more than cried. Um, is there anything you want to promote? Um, well, seems we're here. Um, talking on spirituality, Ooh, I am a tarot reader. Love that, a and great I, one at that as well. Thank you. Not to make things deep, but she did actually predict her uncle getting ill, which is a bit of a downer. But it, at the same time, listen, I've had someone run up to me when I was shopping and called me a witch, and yeah. many people looked around. Please don't ever do that to me again. Mm. But it's like I love tarot reading. And I made a little business just because I thought it'd be quite fun to do. So what's the internet? Um, Come on. Oh, sorry, it's Witchy Tones. There's yeah. not many followers at the moment because you know it's still new. But I'd but love she's bagging that dollar. So listen, it's a rough time. How yeah. am I meant to pay for my heating bills? <laughs> exactly. And anything else you want to promote? Um, I would like just to say that if anyone out there is listening to this and thinking oh my god, they're literally speaking on exactly how I feel. Many people feel that way. It's not weird. And if you're thinking, oh, they haven't spoken about this, you speak about it. Period! Be, be that voice for yourself. Yes, yes, exactly. Exactly. Alright then, well, bye! <laughs> Thank you for being on my, my podcast. I won't be watching, I mean, watching it or listening to it because I hate my voice on the thing. So I hope everyone enjoys it because exactly. this is the one-time thing. Exactly. I mean, to be fair, it didn't take I you're my sister do you know what I mean I had to drag you on <laughs> it didn't really happen at some oh, point yeah, it had to happen at some point we're in the same room so right <gasps> see you later alligator <laughs> <laughs>